Ahoy, mateys. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you are listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And yes, genius, you can call me Billy. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that always gives without taking my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're heading down to crystal lake and we're raging the cage as we talk the recently unleashed mandy but before we get into that let me remind you we are part of the boom howdy podcast network boom howdy you can find all of our past episodes at boomhowdy.com or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for nightmare junkhead in your itunes or soundcloud app Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your cage hole. And don't forget, you can also follow us on social media. Uh, If you are on Twitter, we are at Nightmare Junk, and if you are on Facebook, we are at Nightmare Junkhead. And it's important to follow along (coughs) because you can follow along our, uh, dare I say, social shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Because here in the month of October, we're darn where everywhere you want to be scary, for the most part. We're like Visa, we're everywhere you want to be. And we've talked about a few of these events before, and again, I do apologize, I guess, if you're not here in the Kansas City or the Midwest area, but... Yeah, yeah, but no, actually, I would say, <laughs> if you hear stuff like this, you're like, ah, oh, I'd really like to do something like that in my town. Do it. Put your word out. You mm-hmm. know, contact your local theaters. Put together, do some grassroots festivals, screenings, what have you, backyards, what... Yeah, It exactly, doesn't matter. Man. That's the beauty of this thing. The thing that we always enjoy so much is just the camaraderie of people gathering to these things. So again, bear with us. We'll get through these initial ones quickly. Uh, kicking the month of October off on October 6th. Genius. Yes, we are showing Night of the Creeps and Killer Clowns from Outer Space at the Twin Drive-In in Independence, Missouri. And there's going to be a local swap and shop, all horror themed right before it. Uh, doors are at 4. The movies are going to start about 7 o'clock. And so where they're still going to be selling, it's going to be a lot of fucking fun. It's Outdoor screening. You will be thrilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following week, then uh, October twelfth and thirteenth in Atumwa, Iowa. Yes, at the Halloween Palooza Film Festival. We're <laughs> road tripping. Be uh, sponsor, unofficial sponsored by Rap Snacks. Will be fueling the trip there. <laughs> uh, and indeed, we are going to be technically. We're going to be special guests. We're going to be playing the game show, the game of games, round two. Nightmare Junkhead, the home game version, on the October thirteenth at two o'clock. We are indeed mm-hmm. podcasting live. But again, do not show up for us, please, for the uh, films that are going to be screening, Mm -hmm. as well as Halloween alumni, uh, Nancy Kyes from Uh the original Halloween, and of course, Kathleen Kinmont from Halloween 4. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for this. I am really gearing up. But again, make sure you save up your strength because... Four more, more weeks till Nerdoween, Nerdoween, Nerdoween. Four more weeks till Nerdoween, sleazy sci-fi. It's almost time, kids. It's almost time for our Nerdoween triple feature. Three sleazy sci-fi movies. Don't forget to bring your mask for the costume contest. Tickets are available now at Tapcade. And remember, brought to you by your friends at Nightmare Junkhead and Silver Shamrock. Indeed. Now you're 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 welcome having that little uh, earworm. earworm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But then again, also make sure you save your, uh, your your energy the next night at the Alamo Draft House. Dismember the Alamo. If three wasn't enough, we got four more for you. And there's going to be a theme which we still can't announce, but it's going to be great. Uh, we just finalized the lineup, and it's going to be dope. Yeah, we're going to have a grand old time. But the other thing, now we always talk about 
There's a lot more things coming up here in the month of October. Mm-hmm. And our good friends at the Screenland Theater, both Screenland Tapade yes. and Screenland Armor, uh, every year for quite a few years now, they've put together a little lineup called... A Shocktober. And this year, it's chocked. So just go to Screenland.com to see the entirety of the lineup. We're not going to go through everything. Mm -hmm. However, we are going to be hosting a few of these screenings. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we only host what we love. And that's appropriate because on uh, October 5th at Screenland Tapcade, we are going to be welcoming you to Fright Night. Ah, for real. Oh, and dinner's in the oven. You do not need to eat out. Just feast upon that wonderfully, one of my favorite all-times 80s horror films. Uh, On October 10th at Screenland Armor, we're staying with the Vampire Mythos and Mm -hmm. shave yourselves before you show up for Catherine Hardwick's all-time classic, Near Dark. Man. That's going to be great seeing on the big screen because that that's a gut punch movie right there. And I don't know if I've seen that on the big screen. I've never seen it on the big screen. I, so that's, that's going to be another, dope. I'm beyond yeah. excited for that. But then at the end of the at the end of the month, you have to save your your energy because our film on October 27th at Screenland Armor is all a it's a horror film about aging and getting old and what mm-hmm. it means to transition in life. And it's one of my favorite meditations that I think would go perfectly with a double feature of Jackie Brown. But is Don Coscarelli's Bubba Hotep. A little bit of Bubba Hotep, man. That, that, that's going to be fun. Because that movie, that movie's, that movie's weird and wonderful. It, well, it's a Don Coscarelli film. Exactly, of course it is. Exactly. Those are two words you utilize with those. But what there are so many other films that if we're not hosting, we're going to be out there yeah. at many of these uh, screenings. So thank you, uh, Adam, everyone over at Screenland. Mm-hmm. Uh, go and check it out again at screenland.com. So much fun in the month of October. Yeah, there's so much things. And there's going to be other things at other places, too. It's going to be fantastic. I know there's going to be a lot of other events that's just going to be Halloween-centric and wonderful. So we recently had a chance to experience a film. In vibe. Yo, it's, I think those are the correct words here. <laughs> um, and we're definitely going to try to unload and interpret it. And obviously it's in the title here. But to do so, we wanted to bring in a friend of the podcast, someone that saw the film with us and definitely brings in more of an action genre you know, orientation to the podcast, but it's always welcomed. Obviously, you know him from the Media Rewind podcast where they are tackling the purged uh, televised series. Welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead, Dustin Pryor. Hi, guys. Two times in a week. I, I right? know, right? At this point, you're kind of just the, the unofficial co-host right you get like now. The like third, the third the nerd. Gold, the gold jacket like they win at the Masters Golf Tournament. Right. You get a little special patch yeah. that we pin on it. Sweet. You get a, a replica short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that. Well, it's interesting that we go from horror-adjacent Predator last week to this particular film. Which is billed as horror. Very much so. Mm-hmm. And when you say build, there has been a lot of hype with this particular film. And that's something we talk about a lot on the podcast, especially with new horror, mm-hmm. is all the hyperbole build up behind here. And people say, oh, it's, number one, it's either the scariest movie of all time. Yeah. Uh-huh. We can still debate that one. Uh-huh. Or it's, like, just the greatest genre film of all right. time and when you use the word genre you give yourself a lot of ins and outs for mm-hmm. the most part you you, it, you like what qualifies as the genre you're talking it could be about action uh, it could be a revenge genre Sci- oh, oh yeah. yes in a genre within a genre exactly it's it's like a nesting doll of, of genres so i'm going to open this up here because um how would you number one describe mandy to 
a normie to one of your friends that aren't necessarily genre fans how would you describe mandy that movie was weird as fuck okay that's i think that's your opening salvo yeah i'm like so hey like hey have you heard about mandy that movie was weird as fuck i, I think that's a pretty good that's how i would open it so <laughs> from my stance i would say audibly and visually stunning uh-huh but batshit crazy but weird as fuck <laughs> but i, I don't want to say that because of uh you know because everybody assumes that it's nick cage you know oh my god he's right gotta be nuts no it, it's just a, a a movie that's all over the place that's you know it, it's very well done i mean it, it took me about 48 hours to decompress and you know unpack yeah, everything we to, we're gonna reprocess this yeah. and interpret in many ways that's why it's hard to explain like because it, it was just so weird it would be how would i describe it um an lsd trip that's appropriate just just a, a, a movie that was soaked in acid you know not not quite like the throwback to those old like oh let's get high and uh, like you know hippie movies and shit but in a way yeah it's definitely genre because you have all these weird mixes of genres and like you said when i say it's weird as fuck and it's not because like it's being nick cage weird i mean we'll go into that later but this is it's just such a hard movie to actually pinpoint and explain why so that's why that's why we were like we have to record this episode mm-hmm. so <laughs> well and it's funny because i this is one of those films that for some reason or another i didn't see the trailer and and it's not for any reason or another that i was trying to avoid it it was just mm-hmm. one of those and i knew enough of the film that itself i knew it was nick cage yeah i knew that there was i think there was a cult involved and that there was carnage and i'm like okay i'm good i'll see this eventually one way or the other and I'll be honest, my experience going in, because I didn't see the trailer, probably made it one of my favorite initial theater-going experiences of the year so far. Yeah? Seriously. Because, and I'll, let me just say this, even in the credits sequence, not knowing anything about this film, when a little thing that came up and it said, uh, Bill Duke as Carruthers, <laughs> I got such a <laughs> smile on my face because I didn't realize Bill Duke was in the movie. Right? And when that popped up, and then, so... Uh, we saw it again. The second time I saw it was with your guys is in your first time. And I knew, Dustin, you also said you hadn't seen anything regarding No, I, I didn't even see the trailer. I knew it was coming out. Um, I think I, I saw something on Facebook from Erica Kaufman of Atomic Cotton. She mm-hmm. said that, you know, she went to say, you know, it, it was her, it was her Mandy Day. And she went to see it opening night and she really enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't look any further than that. I didn't want any spoilers. But I hadn't even seen the trailer. I just knew Nick Cage had a new movie coming out. So See, and then that's, you. that's weird. I didn't know anything about it either uh, for a while now. And then finally, like, they're like, oh, Mandy's coming out. And it's that new Nick Cage horror movie. And I go, what? And then I just saw the trailer and I, I just did, like not dismiss him. Like, oh, that looks cool. But then like after that, I didn't hear anything about it. Like, oh, let's go see Mandy. And I'm like, oh, that's that Nick Cage weird movie. I'm like, OK, cool. So I'm going in just seeing the trailer. And, and then I'm seeing all this stuff like Mandy was bad shit. And Mandy's weird. And like, there's mm-hmm. no words to describe Mandy. And I'm like, OK, that's saying it sounds like it's good, but it's really not saying anything. So let's see what this is about. So I might. I wasn't anticipating anything. My interest was peaked. You, you know? went, you went so, in with lower expectations at that point. Yeah, you I, didn't necessarily were going going. I'm hoping yeah. this is going to blow my mind. It was like, yeah, uh, let's see, let's see what this is all about. More of a curiosity, like why is everybody saying this movie is so weird? And it's fucking weird. So, well, and so <laughs> we're going to approach this uh, much like we've done with the la- our last few uh, new releases here on our reviews. We are going to, the first part of it will be a non-spoilerly review. Mm-hmm. We're going to go into some very general pieces on the film, uh, our reaction to cast, characters, things like that. And then we will then have 
a spoilery section. Yeah. Where we will definitely be getting into the... the Second g- half of the movie. Because <laughs> that's when the shit... Yeah. So... When things take... Things take many turns in this film. And I will say this. One of the things that I smiled upon initially was within the first little bit of the, the film when you introduce Nick Cage... He's introduced with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And you don't introduce Nick Cage with a chainsaw if you don't plan on that coming back. So immediately, right. of course, I was like, oh, Chekhov's chainsaw. <laughs> let's, let's see where this takes us. Uh, but there's one word that I think I could describe this film to, again, either a normie or a genre fan. But it's the film, and I think it's why I came back to the film the second time, but that word is sumptuous. To yeah. me, this is a film that just is just so... just decadent it's like a it's a little piece of chocolate Mm -hmm. that is just so finely crafted there's so much things that go into it Uh that you know you're supposed to like when you take a bite into it it's supposed to take you on a journey it's an everlasting gobstopper (laughs) yes yes it is greg you're turning weird greg (laughs) i'm in a love story guys these little guys are coming in oh no it's a cronenberg movie (laughs) we got some lsd for you just a cautionary right yes ah Wow. Well, and that's the thing. It it's such a visually, just a rewarding film. It's another one that if you go in, it's something that is just soaked in deep colors. Yeah, it's 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 oozing with atmosphere. Well, the opening shot, uh, trying to not go into spoilers, it looks like it was shot in the eighties. Oh, well, I mean, it, and then but it just gets visually more trickery and they did so much so many visual styles that i don't think any really were were, like done twice it's a it's a dirty looking film Mm -hmm. it does look like something because let's face it it is i would definitely qualify and classify this as a horror film yes but it's also so many different things adjacent underneath it like you like you said a revenge film Uh uh-huh you can look at this as damn dare you say parts comedy bits and bits and pieces of it Uh, a cult Oh, um, oh, this is n- not only cult as in like cult cinema, but like cult as a in literal like cult. a cult <laughs> movie and a, a movie about a cult. Like, yeah. So, I mean, you can get a lot of crazy. It it's sumptuous because it's like almost a buffet. There's so it's it's beautiful. It was a uh, shot by Benjamin Loeb, but it's almost there was parts where it was almost too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, too much there, color. There was too much, and it's and and it. Not going spoil. I'm still not spoiling it. It was slow. Oh it, no! This is a this is beyond almost a slow burn film. Yeah, this is super slow. It didn't kick in overdrive, but until it, and it knew. It, and you know what? It knew it was going slow too, and it knew it was doing because it opened up a chapters. And I was going to say it, it didn't get going into the third chapter, but the third chapter we knew when the third chapter happened. And the third chapter is actually technically the, the title. title of the movie. Right, exactly. It's like the movie didn't start until the third marker. This was. The first two points were prequel, and it worked. And it's really funny is all the visual and the title, the font and everything looks like something that should be on a metal album. In fact, the entirety of this film, I think, is just a series of images that should be on the side of a van. And I say that in like the most Frank Frazetta at just it's amazing. <laughs> it's just again, these just it's visually stunning. Yeah, it's, it's but you like you said, and I'll admit it, it's indulgent as all get out then that's, I think, what's going to turn a lot of people off of this film because there are shots in this film where they hold on people for just... Uncomfortably long. But on top of that, though, you're getting assaulted 
with just these visual, these audio cues between the music and then just the sound design as well. It's almost like seeing Suspiria yeah. on the big screen. Well, and your eyes are not, it's not like they're hard to adjust, but it's like things change so it, rapidly and it goes on so long. But my question, D, for you, um, I know that you were all kind of fans of slow burns and stuff, but there was a point where the movie almost lost me for two reasons. One, it was slow, and two, it was almost, like you said, indulgent, for it was being weird for the sake of being weird, but it never crossed, for me, it never crossed over that line. Um, it was always teetering on it. But from you, from an action point of view, what did you think about, like, the slow time of it? Do you think that would turn off, like, normies? No, you know, and, and just a counterpoint to what you said, you know, you said it was so so visually, I guess, abundant that I, I think this is a film that warrants, you know, repeated watchings because there's so many things that, I mean, just watching it the first time, I know I missed things because I was just, I was really thrown aback. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, just the, the way that everything was shot. You're trying to listen to the score while you're trying to watch the, the, the motion on the on the screen, you know, and you're kind of getting engrossed with all the, the color patterns and everything else right. that come up. I mean, it's it's literally like, Greg, like you said, it's like eating the best piece of chocolate you've ever had in your life. And you're like, I'm never going to have this experience again because I just ate it. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is it is overindulgent, but it's also this whole movie is a juxtaposition on itself because it is overindulgent, but it's minimalistically overindulgent because, you know, there's two types of like too much on screen there's mm -hmm. one where like it's a war movie or world war z where there's monsters and shit coming out of every single corner that can be overindulgent this was overindulgent on a simplistic level like close-up of people's faces overindulgent it was terrence malick's you know right the screen was constantly filled but it was filled with like uh, ethereal colors and like fucking vorpal creatures and shit like that but like just minimalistically full it's like like yeah you said the best chocolate but it's a big fucking piece of chocolate well I, I think the other thing too is that what the film does really well is that it fills that space with the actors actually acting you know it's it's not just you know like you like the reference you said to world war z you know you have a lot of cgi with a lot of zombies and and you know a lot of things going on but I mean, yeah, you know it's a zombie film, but I mean, how many more zombies do you need to know it's a zombie film? But this one, you don't know what the fuck is going right. on. Right, exactly. You've got a lot of different things that are happening, but the actors are doing a, a fantastic job of, you know, driving the story forward. It's grounded, and it's very much a character piece that yeah. first, almost two-thirds of the film, of which you are actually supposed to be invested in the, uh, the relationship between... Um, Nick Cage and Mandy, mm -hmm. and which in this case actually it really works for me because there's little tender moments between them, and again, bathed in such just our, this Argento-esque lighting. But there's that little bit when they're talking about their favorite bit, their favorite planets. Yeah, right. And there's a there's a piece where, and this isn't a spoiler by any means, but Nick Cage mentions Galactus is his favorite planet. Because he eats planets. Because he eats planets, right? <laughs> and I'm just wondering if that was a, an ad lib by Nick Cage because he is such a, a comic book fan. But for those that are going in and expecting a, the, that whole rage cage thing, mm -hmm. I think we should say this, and this is definitely not a spoiler by mm -hmm. any means, but I think they're going to be very disappointed. Yeah, if you're going in just to laugh at Nick Cage, you're not going to get it. And there's a contingent of people out there that just kind of do that ironic viewing of Nicolas Cage and when he's doing his thing. We hosted Face Off with Simon Barrett and um, 
there was people there that came well i mean having a good time but they were there just to laugh at nick cage and we honestly that's was we were playing up on that because Absolutely. it's fun to have fun with nick cage but this movie you can have fun with nick cage but there's a point where for me and i'm not going to go we'll, into we'll this get, later we'll talk about it in but yeah it's not like it's not the rage cage <laughs> it's not the rage cage we wanted but it's the rage cage we deserved you know what i'm saying so it, I do. I, I think, you know, very, very similar to what you guys are saying. I think he gets a bad rap because a lot of the things that he does in this film, he has not done in other films. You know, he kind of plays up the, 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 you know, the chalky, you know, over the top kind of action in Face Off and Con Air and, and in those movies. And, you know, and everybody remembers the bees, you know, but, right. but in this movie, I mean, he uh, at least for me, I mean, it was Nicolas Cage, but it wasn't Nick Cage. Yeah. And he's only in about a third of the movie. I mean, he's throughout, but for the first second, it's Mandy in the villain's movie. And I should say also, you know, we're always very fond of films that go come in at 90 minutes or below when you can. This was a long movie. It's indulgent, and it is a two-hour-plus flick. But it's a punishing movie. You're tired after the movie. I was. And I don't know, and it wasn't like we went out crazy late to see it. It was just like... That was a lot. The first time I saw it was a 7 o'clock screening, and it was really interesting as well as they did a little Q&A session with Kevin Smith afterwards where they talked with Nick Cage and um, Pangos uh, Cosmatos, who, uh, Panos, excuse me, Cosmatos, who's the writer-director, who if his dad is all over this <coughs> podcast in Nerds and Nostalgia regarding genre films. You knew talk about an action fan. You know, he did First Blood Part Two, yep. mm-hmm. Tombstone, yeah, I mean he's Cobra. He's responsible for some genre greats. So when you see, you know, <laughs> his kid now is now making these kind of genre films. Weird genre films. Weird genre films. Because like, what was the other Under the Black Rainbow? Which that was is, weird. And that's the other thing. I mean, this is definitely not a film that. It, well, let's think about this. Who is going to go see this film? In fact, I wanted. That's a nice little segue because we did run into uh, Ty and Riley. Um, from the um, the Who the Hell Is This For podcast. They just mm-hmm. got started. Uh, they were they got kind of inspired from Nerds and Nostalgia. So as I like to joke, our mediocrity inspired greatness. Mediocre! <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking about this particular film because this is definitely not even a big release on the horror no. genre. No, uh-uh. So who is going to see this? Is You're going to get the, the Rage Cage guys. The Cage right. aficionados. Right, the yeah. ones that are coming out. You're going to get the casual cage. Yeah. The ones that... You're going to get genre fans. I think I think for genre people who know, then they're gonna go out and seek it and find it. And and I I hope we get there's a lot of stumble upons, and I hope there's a lot of stories upon the stumble upons because this movie, it I don't think it's the matter of who's it for. I don't think it's the matter of who's gonna get it. And that's just right. it. I, and that's what I'm wondering. Like if that casual cage fan comes in that loves Face Off, right? That loves Con Air. That hasn't necessarily seen a genre film like this because let's face it, we've talked about there's revenge elements in it. Um, Fuck, we haven't seen uh, genre shit like this. No, you know this is it's unique. Well, it is. Dare you say it's a genre LSD fantasy trip? Um, It's just so it's so many different things, Mm -hmm. and that's why ultimately why I think like you guys mentioned, you have to process this film. This is something I I have not done this in ages, but I saw it Thursday night, and the very next night I was like, let's go see it again Mm because I needed. To process it again by seeing it with we, friends we, therapy session you know honestly in the group chat they, we've got a group text that goes on between genius greg and i and he goes yeah i just went and saw it last night and i'm like what you want to see the movie the the second night in right? a row? you didn't even do that with star wars exactly <laughs> but so but you brought up a good point like like the the action aficionados would they get this movie 
I, I think they would if they go into it knowing it's not going to be a balls to the wall action film. I mean, this is not the raid. This yeah. is this is not you know an over the top eighties you know schlocky kind of action film. I mean, there are elements of a lot of action in this, uh-huh. but it, I, I think, and I, I'm not saying this in a derogatory way in, in any means, but what, what you said, you know, who this appeals to, I think you're also going to get a, a nice little demographic of, of the film nerds. You know, yeah. the people yeah. that go for the, the scores, snobs. the uh-huh. people that go for the visuals. I think you're going to, th- this is so much of a wide-reaching film that it's not just, you know, not just a genre film. So, question, if you're going to host this or bring this show to, like, action people. Oh, good Lord. If, how would, would you, would you give them a precursor? I mean, would you, like, say, hey, this ain't, the, you know, this ain't what you're expecting, or would you, or would you rather them go in, like, absolutely blind? Because, I mean, going blind, you don't know what to expect, but at the same time, you might not get it if you're not prepared, you know? It's... Honestly, for me, I think I enjoyed it more going into it without even knowing the premise or any of the, uh, the you know, seeing any of the trailers or anything like that. I think mm-hmm. I enjoyed it more and I, I enjoyed the, the smaller stuff in the film more doing it that way. I can't disagree. That's I mean, I went in as a genre fan with just kind of lowered expectations. And this mm-hmm. was another one that I didn't even read like reviews for. Right. I'll do that occasionally on movies that I know I'll eventually see. But I think going in blind really helped me as well. Because I do embrace when you get genre mismatches, when you take a turn here and a turn there. Mm-hmm. I usually embrace it, especially if it's well-crafted. Yeah. And that's the other thing with this film, just the amount of care and work that had to go into something that to make it look like this, to make it sound like this, there's a lot of just care involved with that. Uh, and drugs. <laughs> lots and lots of drugs. <laughs> Well, the, um, I felt stoned after that movie. I mean, I did. I mean, I contact was, right. I was movie. like, because oh, I was like a little disorientated and kind of like, whoa, what just happened? You know, not I'm not full on like, whoa, man, that shit was wild. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, I I'm kind of like, whoo, what's going even, on? I don't even think I took the deep breath. I actually exhaled <laughs> like literally. It, I mean, it was one of the, the longest exhales I've ever had just because the, the back, you know, and no, no spoilers, but the movie is just a lot to digest and a lot to Mm -hmm. decompress from at once because it's a slow burn but it throws a lot at you like relatively quick and then when shit goes crazy shit goes crazy and it's all basically signposted by uh the late johan johansson who provided the score Mm -hmm. which is another element to this film that this is also dare i say a very metal film it opened this, up dope. It's it oh opened yeah. up hella dope. That, oh yeah. oh, that opening s- song of Cream, Cream, uh, King, King Crimson, Crimson. That song was the shit. It's it you, set you, up everything very dreamy, and then the way it opened up the Shadow Mountains. That was Lisa Frank, and it was like, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, at the point in time, you didn't know if like fucking goblins or trolls were gonna <laughs> jump out and like take things. You didn't know, and you still didn't know what was gonna happen, even like up to the third of the movie. That's the other thing is uh, there are certain elements that I thought that were being introduced that actually weren't. Mm-hmm. But had they been introduced, I would have been okay with it. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that in the spoilers. Uh, before we get into spoilers specifically, I do want to talk about some of the cast members here. Obviously, we'll get more into Nick Cage's role. Uh, but uh, Andrea Riseborough, who plays Mandy, 
mm-hmm. I think should definitely get some talk here because just her performance is very ethereal. Yeah. And she's kind of the driving, motivating focus. She is the, I mean, she is the title of the film. She mm-hmm. is the driving, motivating factor. And she was weird as fuck, too. Yep. Yeah. She was weird as shit. While I enjoyed her performance, I was just like, wow, how many drugs are you on to do right? this particular role? Right. I just, I ultimately, but you, you look into it, though, it speaks a lot to her psyche when they start having, and again, those character building moments, mm-hmm. but when she's talking about that whole thing with the, uh, the was it the, 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 the swallows? Yes, the, with the birds. Yeah. yeah. And that whole. Starlings. The starlings. starlings. Yes. But that goes into her whole kind of like the psyche and just that whole. I dare I say this is a thing that I think would play well with revenge because I definitely think there's kind of a yeah. take on like toxic masculinity going on here. Oh yeah, in many ways. Oh yeah. But I think that speaks to though the fact that she's definitely someone that's gone through some things, uh-huh. and then when when her and Red find each other, they're they're in that moment. Which, oh, if you're in a genre film, you never want to be in, though, when you get those people that have, like, gone through things and they find each other. Mm-hmm. That makes and everything that happens so much more tragic. Oh, and then she, she wasn't, she was weird with her facial expressions. Well, she, uh, oh, no, I mean, she was, yeah, very, but even just, she's, she's, the, the moment we meet her, and my heart went out to her because she's rocking a Shout at the Devil shirt from Motley Crue. <laughs> and she's doing those dope ass pictures oh, and, like, yeah, well, the, the, oh, my God, those things were incredible. Again, Everything you see in here could be on the side of a van. Yeah. It deserves to be on the side of a van. Because some it of those is. pictures she was drawing was fucking sweet. It's incredible. But she kept giving me a Shelley Duvall vibe. Like, if Shelley Duvall and the Mona Lisa had a kid. Because so, some, like, some of the shots, like it, it, she was, she looked like the Mona Lisa. And some shots, she looked like Shelley Duvall. And it was just like... And it was another thing, like, I don't know how to feel about this. You know? It was like this... That's why it took me so long to figure out about my movie because the whole movie I was like I don't know how to feel about this. So, but she did great. Yeah, and I don't think uh, this might have been an acting choice on her part, but a lot of it I got the vibe was like blankness. You know, from her facial expressions, she, I mean, she showed a little bit of emotion and whatnot, but a lot of the the first part of the movie is, is her just being really you know kind of kind of hippie-ish yes I was actually thinking more introverted, someone maybe not as comfortable with people in society like. Okay, this is probably more of an expression of myself, but you know, you see those scenes with her in the store where she's just very aloof, and it's not so much that she's rude; she just doesn't necessarily know right. how to interact. Right. And she's at that point where it just let's just this is as functional as it needs to be. Move along. Well, coming from a retail point of view, sometimes you don't want to hear what the fucking customer has to say. I mean, that's just how like and okay, cool, yeah, hashtag let's, true. Let's get to business. What do you need? And then like not like where do you live? Hey. Hi. And so I guess now's the perfect time to talk about... Creepy grandma. We've got... Genius, you said, amongst many things, that the 80s taught us to be wary of three things that start with H's. Do you remember those? Mm Mm-hmm. There was hobos, hippies, and... uh, Hitchhikers. Hitchhikers. And this film gets us... All three! Fucking all three. There's hobos, hippies, and hitchhikers. And fucking... Wow. Okay, so this are we going into spoilers now? Not yet. I want to talk a little bit about we're still talking about the cast, cast? here, but oh, let's talk Lord. about the cult because I'm not talking about anything that wasn't in the trailer and you get a shot of everyone in the trailer and this is a motley crew of weirdness. What do you say God's like the ultimate special effects creator? Wow. Is this now? Wow, it's when, for me awesome. it doesn't sound as like menacing but from genius it just has that <laughs> I just add that awfulness, that extra layer of slime. Just <laughs> well, and it does stay it definitely says that everyone has a distinct visual look <laughs> that is in this cult and this is also this is a cult film as you mentioned before. Yeah. Um everyone involved here definitely has their own little bit of a personality. 
from someone that looks like they could have been from like the McPoyle family tree. Yep. Um, but it speaks to the power again of the visuals involved with everything. And I guess at this point, because there's no, I know you're just aching to get to this. There's so, so many different, there's so many things I want to talk about. We're 30 minutes spoilers. in. We're 30 minutes in. We are going to go into spoilers here. Okay. So Otherwise, at this point, genius is going to explode. So no, it's so funny because like every time you mention something else that comes up, I'm like, man, that part and this thing when that happened, da, 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 that was hilarious. Da, 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 da. So <laughs> if we're going to spoilers now, we are now officially, this part is now officially sponsored by Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> you may see a few things out in the internet the interwebs where you see this really weird that without any context even with context There's even with yeah. context, yeah. it makes no sense because it's in the middle of the i think we can talk about cheddar goblin and not be spoilers because yeah, it's because it, it has nothing to do with anything and anywhere and anyone in the movie it's just this commercial out of nowhere about fucking craft mac and cheese about a fucking goblin that yaks up <laughs> mac and cheese <laughs> on people and then comes out my i think it's my favorite part comes out like all sinister out of the mac and cheese with like some fucking didgeridoo growl little shit like it looked like something like ghoulies go mac and cheese <laughs> right like ghoulies go to craft college it's, like <laughs> it's so well and it's really funny too because technically and here's where we, we will get into spoilers obviously the character nick cage's character sees us after seeing just the most horrific heinous things happen to mandy right and so is this something that's real this has to be imagined, correct? The Cheddar Goblin? Yeah. No, I think I think it was real. I think I think it was just one of those like That's not his psyche breaking down and saying this is how we're gonna deal with this trauma right now. But vomiting mac and cheese on like kids? No. Well, I think not? his character was cool. They were watching uh what, oh, what were they watching earlier? That, that funny was, uh, thing, that other funny thing where he's like running out the thing and then the guy just falls out of nowhere, fucking like just like an old Betty Hill episode or some shit, and I just started cracking up because it gets so random. There was I know I was just yelling. That's why I backed up because there was it was this whole movie was so random because you never knew what the fuck was gonna happen next, and then they introduced shit like the guys falling down, old watching old fifties movie and Cheddar Goblin, and like. Well, that makes me wonder if that's, you know, he's just someone that watches a lot of those films. There's just that tender moment where they're eating mashed potatoes, just watching a bad movie. And and he was completely, like, just out of it. I mean, because if you watch anybody who was stabbing, like, the mashed potatoes, he wasn't even looking at the at the plate. He was just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just mindless. I mean, because what else are you going to do if you're living out in the woods by yourself? I mean... Watch a lot know, of bad In movies. the Shadow Mountains. That's when I didn't know if, like, goblins and shit, well, apparently cheddar goblins, but, like... <laughs> well, I guess also, I what I didn't see in the trailer was you see these crazy little bikers things show up, and this is a moment in the film when they go, basically, they summon yes. these, these bikers. And, By blowing into a rock. Which, and when they show up, I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, they're introducing these demons, and I was happy because I was like, ooh, you know what they are? They're LS demons, right? That's cool. But genius would just like a beat later was like no 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 they're cenobikers because they're like they look like cenobites because you had the one that was all like wet yeah. and like and they're all clad in leather and then you had that fucking John Henry thirteen ghost looking one with like all the <laughs> you know what I'm talking about with yeah, all the with little, all the little studs, studs and shit and spikes in it, and they're all clad in leather and he's like Rrr. and we didn't know that later on he has a fucking sword dick but there are these fucking demons there's these demons the the, the cenobikers are riding on bikes looking badass as shit. 
and which I initially thought, I'm like, okay, they've introduced demons into yes. the film, and I'm good with this. Right. If this is a turn we're taking, let's do it. I'm good with it. Now, as we as it turns out, technically, they got a bad batch of LSD, and it turns out they are humans. However, they're gnarly, they're nasty, they're something else. They're fucked up. They're fucked up. And, like, dude... <laughs> There's, Death by buggery. Well, there. Okay, two things. Two things. We'll talk at the beautiful and then the macabre. There. Uh, <laughs> the initial siege scene when they go into um, actually get uh, Mandy and Nick. That was when, terrifying. When it just you get to, they're in the background and then, then you get the red that comes up. Then, <laughs> oh no. And then yeah no it was terrifying. Here's the thing. It was terrifying and it was it was because like. The look of like holy shit what's happening we're being attacked by these like we didn't know if they're aliens or what because the lighting and the strobe lights effect work really look really like well something out of hellraiser and but then all of a sudden like i'm like like just just soaked into the movie like holy shit what's going on and then all of a sudden thurman merman gets dispatched like fucking i'm not gonna lie that was probably I the funniest part of the died, whole damn movie i died i died so we talk let's go back to like the, we were talking about the characters and like, like and it's so funny because the first time i watched this film i did not make the thurman <laughs> merman connection i just a, thought one of the goons one of the goons in the cult for those of you, one of the goons in the cult looks like fucking thurman merman from fucking bad santa like <laughs> and he is dispatching it terrifying like the shot of him being taken out is terrifying however when i saw it with you guys and i think when initially when you kind of giggled making that connection i don't know what it was i don't know what synapse fired but i immediately also made that damn connection and i want <laughs> sandwiches i didn't have to say nothing too i just saw it because he's in the bus and i'm like oh it's like a third bird and i'm like hey, third and then like i well, and I think a few other people also, <laughs> there was like that lingering laughter when I think they realized what was funny because I think they made the connection as well. <laughs> and that's the other thing as well. This movie plays it's funny. differently in the theater. It's yes. funny, but like there's, it's not funny. There's no, part, I don't, like half the time I'm laughing at things, I'm like, I don't know if I should be well, laughing, the but levity, it's funny. The Cheddar Goblin, that's levity. You're right, supposed right. to laugh. Here's something I want to talk about. And it's definitely, I would say, another scene that everything takes a turn. And this is the bathroom scene. Yes. This is the one where Nick Cage, this is where I think where the Nick Cage, Rage Cage fans are waiting for it. They're waiting for uh -huh. it all. Oh, he's going to go crazy. I, the two times I saw this, the first time people laughed, the second time people didn't. But both times I was shaken. I was actually affected by his performance. I got nothing humorous out of it. I saw someone going through so much grief and trauma and processing it. That point where he's like choking himself to get the, the beer down or the vodka down. You know, I just... I. I couldn't laugh. It was to me. It was just so. It was a good, good cage. I cracked up at the beginning, and like when he's in there in his underwear, and you see him. And like, again, yeah, and you because you, he looks, he comes in looking crazy. Mm -hmm. He finds a bottle of booze. He's sitting there bloodied in his underwear, his hidden bottle, and I he mean, yeah, and he's looking insane. So I'm cracking up like, holy shit! Here it comes. Here comes the rage cage, and it did. And then I'm laughing, and then there's a there's like a turn, like maybe because it goes on for a long time. It's a one take. These scenes are long. Indulgent, indulgent. Long, long scenes. So after I'm laughing for about the first minute, but then after the first minute, I'm like, holy shit! He's going through some pain. This is he's to me. I was like, he's genuinely acting, and he's doing a damn good job. I was like, that that's that's raising Arizona. That's like that's. That's early hungry cage. This is Moonstruck Cage. Yeah, this is, that yeah. This is cage. good actor cage. He not still has that in him. And we talked a little bit off mic, and I've heard people say it as well. It, I think a lot of it depends on the director 
and what they can literally direct him to do and, and what they can the bring cage. out of him. Yeah. yeah. And but they still let him do his like yeah, madness and, and and over the top cage. They still let him do that. And when he does that, it will satisfy the rage cage purist. But then like when it becomes like, holy shit, he's in a proper revenge movie and he's properly doing well. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, welcome back, Nick Cage. And you know? I, I think we kind of got spoiled by that 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 whole sequence with him. You know, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't think of another you know another actor that could do that. I mean, I know there's probably some out there, but when, after you see Nicolas Cage do that particular scene, and he goes from having to rip his you know his arms out of barbed wire. That was wire. Some Gerald Gaines he, shit, dude. Did you? That would that made me cringe. The yeah. people next to me, I saw so many squirms. It was wonderful because, again, I knew that was coming, so I could yeah. anticipate the audience reaction. That was a good one. Yeah, and and you know he has to he has to unencumber himself out of barbed wire, mm-hmm. and then he goes in and he just realizes that you know Mandy's gone. You know, for all intents and purposes, he believes that she's dead because they fucked her up. I mean, like when one they took her up, and then yeah, to, for him to go that, but then to bring him back and like we don't want her anymore, and here's like what they did to dispatch her, that was some fuckery right there. It was horrible. And we mentioned this is a revenge film, so something heinous has to happen to kick off the revenge aspect of the film. Mm -hmm. And, oh, yeah, do they let you hate them? But ultimately, you've got to have someone to hate. You've got to have that main focus. And this is a cult. If you have a cult, you've got to have a leader. And, oh, our leader. uh, Jeremiah. As played Jeremiah by Carpenter, as played by Linus Roach, in a definite career-making performance, because as the you know as a cult leader, you're supposed to have charisma. You're supposed to have that it factor, and it's so funny the way the buildup is. Because when we're first introduced to him, and I'm not gonna lie, when you got that profile image of him, do you know what came straight to my mind? Hmm. Was Richard Lynch. Yeah, like that's yeah. immediately the vibe I got from him. And I was like, oh, this is... And I could just feel like him channeling that kind of vibe, that kind of cult leader. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was immediately on board. So when he... And he actually got to probably do the most cagey of what people were anticipating. He was insane. Like, his whole, like... uh, What was it? Like, you're nothing but fear. No, what what he goes... Real long and just being real slimy and skeezy. And I... Here's the thing. I didn't know if he had magical powers... I didn't know if he like if he was summoning demons if or, or if what? he was just straight up Jim Jones, right? Because like the movie never it, it raises all these questions and never really gives you any answers, and I was fine with it. You know, I'm like, okay, it'll eventually give me the answers, and sometimes he doesn't. But I didn't know if he was like magical or whatever because he was truly summoning something, yeah, or just. But he was full weird. of himself. He was so weird. Well, how do you think I feel, man? I, I told Greg after the movie, I, I spent like probably five minutes after his introduction trying to figure out who the you know, who the hell he was. I knew him from somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's, he plays Michael Cutter, the district attorney on Law & Order and Law & Order SVU. So, I mean, you can't get any more polar opposites in terms of character right? than those two people. He was like Jim Jones, and he was like Buffalo Bill, and he was like, <laughs> he reminded me of Spicoli, and like... <laughs> Because, like, didn't he, and, like, the guy from Warriors come out and play, like, all that, like, rolled into one fucked up package. But, I don't know. <laughs> when we're finally introduced, we're introduced and proper. But when he sets off his plans, and he's sitting there in that weird-ass robe from The Visitor, and, like, <laughs> and he's, like, and he's, like, hey, do you like the Carpenters? I like the Carpenters. 
I like the carpenter so hard. And 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 he sure goes for it, untucked. Like hanging uh, dong for again, at least ten minutes. Again, another long un- and it wasn't the fact that it was uncomfortable because it was male nudity yeah, because no. well, it's fucking we're guys. We know we have dicks. But like it was just because he was all like, come on, suck it. Uh, do you like my record? It was just like, he was the fucking worst. He was awful. And I'm thinking to myself, why do these other fucking goons and troglodytes are following him? And cause, That just tells you the, just how bad they have begun. How low you have to be to follow someone like him. And then to have people being stung with bumblebees and shit the like that. The cherry on top. Yeah, the cherry was, on top. Ooh. Because that old woman was creepy in her niceness because she was like, I'll do anything. And then she, when she was talking to Mandy in the store, where do you live? I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ugh. she's like a crazy old witch. Yeah, yeah. And then the fucking yoked up uh, Walter Frey. Um, I, I would like to point out, and this is this is gonna give you some giggles. His name is Brother Klopek. Ah, wait, which one? The one that looked like Beavis the, or the yoked the, up Walter the, the, Frey? The yoked up chainsaw guy. His wow. name is Brother Klopek. <laughs> so it's good to see sardines. The- <laughs> fucking. <laughs> And again, well representation in the uh, the cult. You also get a, a mulleted individual there that is another one that just defies description. Beavis. Uh, Beavis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, cool. So much of Beavis. Mm-hmm. He reminded me of Beavis. He's like, oh. And then, th- and then Thurman Merman. <laughs> and th- I cracked up. I had to laugh. But uh, who was that goon that was uh, his right hand man? Oh, the, it was, uh, oh, brother Swan, I believe. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. It was uh, he was? You're talking about the older gentleman. Yeah, yeah. brother Swan. Yeah, brother, brother Swan. Swan. He yeah. was creepy. Side note: He's on Peaky Blinders on Netflix, and if you have not seen that show, you need to. Is that he creepy on that awesome. show too? Yeah, it, the show is awesome. So I'm seeing why this film works then so well, because you've got these character actors that do provide, even though these are heinous people, Mm -hmm. and you're not invested in them, because you definitely want to see them get their comeuppance, and all they do, because this scene is, in which another scene that I think takes a turn, is which, when we're introduced to Bill Duke's character, is we get the (laughs) armament scene, when Nick Cage is going to take on now the cult and these these Cenobikers, and he forges... He forges his own weapon. He makes the Klingon warglaive. The Batleth? Yes. That's he, exactly what he, he does. He totally makes one of those things, and I'm like, dun, 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 dun. I was waiting for, like, fucking Basil Paladarius to, like, like, right? What is the riddle of steel? You know, and he's just being all caged out and shit. But, like, and then Bill Duke was like, man, those people are fucked up. I mean, like. You get exposition per Bill Duke. And actually, you need some. You yeah. need a little bit of exposition yeah. on what the fuck is going because on. Because at this point, then that's when you find out they aren't Cenobikers. They are LS demons, technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but they are just that crazy. Um, and then ultimately, when you get again, that is something straight from Conan with the forging of it. And like you said, I always thought it kind of had a uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer actually has this scythe that she uses. Again, getting nerdy with that <laughs> one there. That was where my brain went to. But I. That's indulgent. Mm-hmm. And again, that's another thing that I can understand with an audience. If you're just like, oh, my God, what? I could see that take that be in the turn that's like, really? Really? He's this a, this he's is a, the part that's too much. Right. Come on yeah. now. He's a lumberjack and a smith and like fucking. Yeah. And this is the part that's going to be. <laughs> we just had like a, a person being I'm, roasted. I'm telling you, though, we had like, you know, people like tripping out on LSD. Yeah. Oh, and that little bit, the fact that they're, they're kind of funded by their chemistry, their LSD farm there, mm-hmm. that you get the fact that he's actually kind of fueled 
by drugs right. through the like the sec the like the, the last LSD third of the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. And that he puts that thing in the whoop and his mind just explodes. You see the face melting scene. Cause like they say they give the Ellis demons their own bad batch, like their leftovers, like just yep. this whole horrid mix of and what makes them fucked up. And those Ellis demons, they were awful looking. I mean not awful as in like they look cheap and well, shit, let, but they look scary. Well let's let's talk you talked a little bit about there's a really weird cod piece in this film. And mm-hmm. there is also a fight scene that is brought to us by both cocaine and 70s pornography in this yep. film <laughs> fucking ha- a ha- cameo by harry reams <laughs> just like fucking <laughs> and i think that piece from uh seven from right. uh david Fickner. because we didn't realize until and again this, there's just gnarly scene where there's one of the the Cenobikers is snorting this cocaine, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until you guys mentioned it. Mm-hmm. He was he he has this codpiece that with a big old sword on his dick, and he's cutting the fucking cocaine with his sword dick. And we are presented with two bodies that show that he utilized it as well. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a gnarly scene. Death when by it buggery. Yeah, they don't show it. They just like it's a pan, and you're like, ooh, these these Cenobikers are fucking awful. But- then you get this entire absurd fight scene mm-hmm. when Cage takes on the Cenobiker with the hardcore pornography going on in the background. Yeah. And it's just- 70s porn. <laughs> 70s porn. So that tells you exactly what kind of film you're watching. Again, that could be a point where you take the turn and you go, okay, are we going to go with this? Or it's like, nah, let's see what the next you know, element is. And mm-hmm. also, this film also kind of plays like a video game. At that point, yeah, it's because like he has going to dispatch the mini bosses, and he keeps leveling up. At that, at mm-hmm. point, that point, when he actually sniffs some of the cocaine as well, as almost a try <laughs> to broken uh, glass. And I mean, it was not just a small bump. Yeah. I mean, that was like an El Scorpio from Predator Two bump. I mean, that's like face down. Your your head will explode but after that. Here's the thing: at the beginning, he doesn't even drink beer. No, he, no like, he's like probably a vegan. I mean, because like we don't ever see him like you know do anything horrible. He's a lumberjack, so he's fucking hanging out in the woods eating berries and shit. <laughs> next thing you know, next next thing you know, he's fucking drinking a whole bottle of whiskey. Uh, snorting multiple rails of cocaine and like all LSD'd up. That's like a trifecta of like fuckery and all in one night. So that is a fueled rage. And it was subdued and wonderful. Well, yeah, it's a deserved rage. Yes. Again, you want to see bad things befall upon these people. Especially that cult because that cult leader, it was so disheartening. It was not disheartening. It was... It, it, one scene that really stuck out to me where it made me extremely uncomfortable was when he is um, talking to Mandy and his face melds onto hers and then vice versa and the eyes are just enormous and big and this I was like they're talking right at me and I'm not comfortable with this at all <laughs> you know I don't know what's going on in your face but I don't like it you know so it was just like it was a, it was a cool shot very all the shots were cool, but all the shots could be uncomfortable as well because it was just so ethereal, you know? I tell you, the shot that really made me uncomfortable was when you were talking about the, the, the buggery biker. Uh-huh. When he cuts him open and, like, Nick Cage just takes, like, a <sighs> oh, probably two dead. gallons of, yeah, two gallons of evil dead blood to the face and oh. he's drinking it. And, I mean, it's just all over everywhere. Mm-hmm. We are almost 50 minutes in. We have not talked about the gore in this film. <laughs> right. This is a straight-up horror movie. This is gory <laughs> this is, as shit. When this, it gets gory. This woo. is a splatterpunk. This is, an, a, again, set in 83. It feels like a 70s Fulci film. It, does. it feels like something you'd see at 42nd Street. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like, it, yeah, it feels like an old hippie 
revenge movie. Like from like the seventies. But this is a cautionary tale. Why you don't take the uh, the brown acid kids? Because yes. this is what happens to you. But uh, man, th- yeah, uh, the the eye gouge, that was fucked yeesh. up. Oof, oof. Uh, just all the the dispatching actually is pretty good. And that's the other thing you need with a good revenge film is you need escalating ways to take out the the bad guys. And ultimately, it definitely plays out pretty well it actually has a class of 1984-esque death yeah. when the guy falls on <laughs> the yoked up walder Frey. i want this pie cut in half just like well uh, i mentioned Chekhov's chainsaw and i mentioned you don't put cage with a chainsaw at the beginning of the film if you don't plan on him utilizing at the end and this is why i'm glad i also didn't see the trailer because when that visual gag when the yoke up fray cut, pulls out that long ass chain, mm-hmm. I was not spoiled. I was like, "Oh, that's funny." Yeah. It's like it made it, it felt like the burrows. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's a big chainsaw. Yeah, it's funny. Bigger than you know. That but there was some good like kills, but the the when the old granny gets it, the, oh, you well, see it off the, screen, and that's a pretty that's a good one because she was like, "Let me make you feel good," and I know I'm old, and I know how to play this man, you know, and you're like, "You're all LSD'd out." But going back. Thurman Merman's death was terrifying. If it wasn't for like it being Thurman Merman, I would be like, "Holy shit, that's scary!" Because yeah. he just disappeared, like just two hands grab him and pull him into the fog. It, it was like, like some, the fog. It looked yeah, some exactly out and of the fog. The only thing I kept thinking of was, "I'm doing this for both of us." Here I ask clown. <laughs> I was thinking like, "You want to make you some sandwiches?" Splat, you know, just like. <laughs> So another scene that I thought was really weird, and I want to debate, not debate, but yeah, among, yeah, weird right? in this movie, <laughs> the chemist and the tiger. What the fuck? That was, that, that was cool, but like, it was nothing. That was indulgent. Okay, because was that like, did, did the tiger let him pass, and did the pass, by lighting the tiger pass, did he pass judgment? Like, did he kill the chemist? Did the chemist let him go? Because the chemist was like, well, I, they did you wrong, man. What happened with that? That was such... Maybe the cage, maybe Cage was the tiger and the ti- tiger cage. Because he always right. had that, he had tiger the tiger cage. on his shirt at the yeah. beginning. And the, the tiger being, the guy was like, okay, I'm going to die. I don't need this tiger anymore. Let me let the tiger go. The tiger like cast judgment, said, okay, no, mm-hmm. I'm I'm out of here. You guys do your thing. And so I think Cage is like, okay, I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm going to go do my, do my thing. I think the cage was symbolic but also it didn't make any goddamn sense it didn't make any goddamn sense i was waiting for the tiger to maul somebody like shiva and walking dead i was really or something but you know but i was okay with it because it reminded me of like um it reminded me of uh uh, jordawoski just like just weirdness animals for no reason but none of the animals got dispatched but in, in defense of the film i mean anytime you can put richard Brake in a film do it Yo, I yeah, mean, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because with a tiger, well, like tiger riding a tiger <laughs> on a velvet painting, you know, above somebody's black light, you know, mm-hmm. of a tiger. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's wasted in this film, and that's what I really enjoy. And the yeah. fact that ultimately, at this point, also there is a scene when he is walking up to their church, and everything is lit up as it is, but just a combination of just the music, the way everything is built up to that point, he is just basically stained red. Mm-hmm. So much to the point, and then that final bit where you get. Just you want to talk about catharsis when he's finally taking out yeah. Jeremiah. Man, oh. that that was I was like, oh, you're such an asshole. I think it was after the like, because I was like, this guy is weird and powerful, and like until it was like, 
listen to my album. Stop laughing at me. You know, just like. And when when she, when Mandy starts laughing at him, yeah, the, that's another cathartic moment. Too, yeah, when he lost, he's emasculated, and, and, and that's his, an other real laugh too that she had. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like, <laughs> that's their fault. They drugged her. That's true. You know yeah. What? Yeah, and like, and he's just like lay with me. And she's like, fuck no. And then he transfer. He totally. Tra- there is so many. He's from Buffalo fi- Bill to Frank. Uh, to Frank Booth. I was yes. gonna say Frank Ocean. Frank- Better than Frank Reynolds. <laughs> Actually, that's the I just want to be pure. Like, yeah, make love with me. But and yeah, then at the he, end, he goes, come on, man, I'll suck your dick. And I'm like, ah. Uh, well, you know what's funny was the fact that when we when I saw it the first time, they mentioned that there was going to be a Q&A afterwards that was going to be hosted by Kevin Smith. Now, if you have listened to any of Kevin Smith's podcast, you know that he famously will always... If he's ever put in a life or death situation, we'll always say that's his go-to thing. <laughs> and I, when I heard that, I laughed to myself. But of course, in his intro, he brought that up. And I was like, oh, that's glorious. It's like, at least he's staying on brand. Right. <laughs> but no, that's the best part is the fact that he just totally loses. He At this point, you realize, no. He ain't shit. He, yeah. 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 He's just a narcissist brought up in his own ego and his family's gone. And his own music. Yeah. The worst fucking Which, Jethro Tull cover band ever. Fuck him, man. And I'm sorry. There, you know, I'm I'm not a you know I guess a high fashion kind of person, but I would never trust anybody that tucks jeans into cowboy boots. Just can't do it. Can't do it. I don't know. Jack Burton did it. I don't. I, I just you still can can't trust do Jack. It, well, no, you can't trust Jack. No, you can't it's trust Jack uh, But I liked his robe. That oh that, that whole weird scene. Jesus, that was such a weird scene though. Like, that was two sequences away from being a, a Ric Flair nature boy. Robe. I'm telling you, man. Fucking do you like the carpenters? That was that was that's all scenes, I could think of. That was two scenes away from being a Todd Solondz film. Okay? <laughs> yeah, well, fucking gummo. <laughs> and that's the other thing too. I guess I should ultimately uh, we kind of wrap things up here. But ultimately, with this film, like we've talked about it, we've mentioned it, we're kind of still processing it. It is a weird film. And that's the one thing with Cosmatos. He's only done one podcast, actually. It was on Shockwave, so I got to listen to it. And he's very much kind of an introvert, but he's a, he's a nerd. He's a dork. You know, he loves the road warrior. So he's definitely one of us. So I'm kind of curious, number one, other thoughts on Mandy, but also kind of think, what kind of films would you use as a primer for a movie like this? Holy but shit. Yeah. I know. There's, Good Lord. E- right. Exactly. Wow. There's so many things represented in here. Well, f- um, final thoughts about Mandy uh, before we go to the, the primer. It took me about a day and a half to realize I liked it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because when I first got out of it, I had no idea what to expect. There was parts where I was laughing. There was parts where I was still confused. But overall, it was such a unique and weird ride that I'm glad that I took it. You know? I would say the same. Um, you know, for the the self-proclaimed action guy, I mean, I really did like the movie overall in, in like all the tones. You know, even though it was a slow, slow, slow burn. Slow. I mean, I really did enjoy the film, but just like you, man, it took me about 48 hours to really, you know, decompress yeah. and unpack everything and be like, well, what what the hell did I actually just see? Because I don't think it would be as effective if it was, if the whole movie was the third act. No. You know what no, I'm saying? not at all. If the whole movie was the raid, because like I didn't know what to expect and I kind of thought like, okay, uh, he, I kind of figured that it was going to be a revenge i mean the, the name is mandy and when we introduce mandy like okay something bad shit's gonna happen so he's gonna go on a spree and i'm thought thinking like that but it was a very subdued spree and i think it played very well the fact that it was so surreal and it could have been a playground for cage to go insane but it was done in such a minimalistic 
Because he did go insane and he did bring that thing, but it was because that last shot at the end when he's driving away, you get that manic cage face. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But he's also. But it again, works. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those that I didn't hear that many laughs. I heard a few because there's people like, "Where's my cage?" And like that, and it's like, no, this is a different kind of film. We're getting the actual old, old school Nick. But it was warranted rage cage face. Yeah. You oh, know? after everything was, that he's processed, yeah, it was it was deserved. So that's why it wasn't it wasn't played for laughs. It was played for like victory. And I think that's why it worked. Yeah. And this is a film that I definitely think that you need to see if you can in the theater. Yes. In the loudest theater that you can and something that is on a big screen. Because like I said, as sumptuous as this is, this is it like seeing Suspiria. This is one of those films like, and I would never ever say go out and see a film by uh, like Gaspar Noe, uh, like Irreversible or anything like that. Right. Don't. Don't. But this film, I think, had that same effect on it. a lot of people that it mm-hmm. was just punishing. It mm-hmm. was assaulting, and you you had to process it. Yeah. So it's going to be one that I think will find its audience on Blu-ray, on streaming, whatever it comes up. But I'm glad I saw this in the theater. I am too. Me too. I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure it would play just as good at the home, but I, I think you would lose a lot Well, especially of every, it. people have good surround sound theater. Yeah. You know, you can replicate it, but again... Like I said, you know, your audience can really affect the tone of the screening, and this one can go many different ways. Do not see it under the influence of acid. You will go insane. You will die. Yeah, you will. Your brain will melt. I can only. Yeah, you'll get. Your brain will. You will be permafried. You'll become an LS demon. That's right. So, seriously, I mean, that's. It's. This, it can be a cautionary tale. Um, But what would I pair it with? I'll tell you one immediately, and the fact that it's not obviously a spoiler here, but once Mandy is dispatched, you see her still in animated form at different points, Mm -hmm. and it definitely was kind of a tie to Heavy Metal, which is another film I think that could be a good primer for a movie like this, because Heavy Metal is definitely, it's animated, but you don't want your parents walking in on it, because Mm -hmm. there's some awkward nudity, there's some crazy violence. But it also feels very adult-esque. And that's another thing with this film. It does feel like an adult film, Mm -hmm. even though there's still that kind of a weird tone. I was thinking Santa Sangre. That was the first thing that I was thinking that came to my mind as leaving. I was like, Santa Sangre would be a really good pairing because it is beautiful at just like this. It is what the fuck just like this. Uh, It takes so many twists and turns just like this where you don't know what to expect. Um, Yeah. And And it's weirdly horror just like Mandy. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, it's hard to, it, it, this is definitely a horror movie, but it's like revenge horror. It's not like supernatural, although you I, I got fooled. I thought it was. So, yeah. Santa Sangre is my go to. I, I know this is going to be a little bit out of left field, but I would say the descent in terms of like the centralized visual violence. You know, everything mm-hmm. happens in the center of the screen. Nothing's like in the ancillary or in the yeah. peripheral. I mean, it's all in your face. That's minimalistic and big too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think where it, sound and visual is right, another exactly. character. Yeah, Woo. Um, I'll yeah, say uh, definitely race with the devil with the cult aspect. With the cult mm-hmm. aspect, mm-hmm. just the 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 idea of the dirty. I mean, this also last house on the left. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's oh, another yeah. one that because the f- weird family and the whole the hobos and hikers and hippies and well and that's what I love about a film like this is it does draw upon those films but it pays homage influence mm-hmm. what have you but in a way that as you mentioned this is a weird film yeah this is something that you can't directly categorize and I think that's why we will still be talking about it many years later it's this movie is Cheddar Goblin I mean I know I keep bringing it up but think and about you're it. lactose yeah. intolerant think about it it's it's weird. It's extremely weird. It's funny in parts. It's scary and disturbing in parts. And you cannot look away. And it's yummy. Right? And it's sumptuous. 
Part so, of a nutritious dinner. Right? Yeah. So Mandy is Cheddar Goblin. I don't think we could end it any more succinctly than that. Um, Dustin, where can our listeners find you out on the social media? Uh, you can actually find Genius and I at Media Rewind Pod on Twitter, mm-hmm. Media Rewind Podcast on the Facebooks, yep. and that's about it. And boom, howdy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so until that time, uh, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.